The world has gone crazy and it's, stop, it's time that we stop following the world and we start following the word. It's time, and I've been saying this again and again and again and again, we need to get into our Bibles. We need to get into a love walk, a love relationship with Christ Jesus, with our Heavenly Father. And we need to allow Him to dominate our lives. You know, the, what's the whole point of all this stuff? Why is everything going on? I'll tell you why. Are you ready? Number one, in the natural realm, we have a pandemic. We have death. We have economic collapse. We have fires in California and Colorado that have been going on for months that's absolutely crazy. Twelve hurricanes, five of them in Louisiana alone. Sickness and disease is running rampant. And all of this has a spiritual effect to it. And the spiritual effect that comes with this is called fear. Fear will rob you of your faith. Fear will rob you of the goodness of God, of the promises of God, of the word of God. Just because you wear a mask doesn't put you in fear. Just because you're sitting out in the parking lot listening to the radio doesn't put you in fear. Just because you're watching YouTube online and watching this service does not put you in fear. And the opposite is true as well. Just because you come to church doesn't put you in faith either. That's a personal decision. See, there are good people with legitimate reasons that have some health concerns and stuff like that that are trying to be careful and have some wisdom. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But fear has gripped us to where we're afraid. We're afraid to go to the store. We're afraid to go outside. We're afraid to take a walk down a walking trail when we're all by ourselves. We're afraid. The household that, that lives together, they do fist bumps now instead of hugs. We have to quit living in fear. Many people, they say this, that when the vaccine comes out, they're not going to take the vaccine when it comes out. My question to those people is this, and I'm not saying whether I'm taking it or whether I'm not. I'm, I got a question for the people who say they're not going to take it. Does that mean you're going to keep living this way? Does that mean you're going to make this your new normal? to where you cannot commune with other people. Then, you know, at the end of May, the beginning of June, the second natural realm, the thing I see in the natural realm, we see a deep hurt of racism in America. The spiritual effect of it was this, a spirit of anger and a spirit of division. People are just angry and they really don't know why. All you have to do is get on social media, get on Facebook, and say anything that's positive at all. Just say anything, and you'll hear some people come up there and attack you with, with all the negativity and all the anger that follows. Right now, besides racism, you have a hatred for law enforcement all across the nation. Are there some bad law enforcement officers Deputies and police officers, absolutely. But I guarantee you that's not the majority, that's the minority. Most law enforcement officers are good. At the same time, when you find bad ones, you need to make sure they pay the price for their crime. See, if you talk to the white community, or you talk to a black community or Hispanic community, Asian community, Indian community, pick a community. 
you don't judge a whole race or a whole group of people by a few bad actions by a few bad people. That's just ridiculous. It's absolutely insane, and we're allowing the media to cause this to happen. We're allowing Fox and CNN and MSNBC and all these media news outlets to mold us into the hatred that's taken over not only our nation, it's taking over our churches. Church, we need to wake up. They want you to judge all law enforcement officers based upon a few bad ones. We are so angry that people got, in, they've gotten into fist fights over wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. People are so angry that if you're red, you're an enemy to the blue. And if you're a blue, you're an enemy to the red. I hate you because you voted for not the same person I voted for. Now I'm going to insult you and say how stupid you are on Facebook and how dumb your family is and everything. How crazy have we become as a nation, as a people? I'm a veteran of the United States Army. I signed the paper. I took an oath to defend the Constitution of the United States of America, which is under God. I put my life down there to say, you have the right to vote red or blue. That's your choice. Whether I agree or disagree. See, united we stand, divided we fall. When fear and anger are running wild, then in the natural realm, what you end up with is you end up with a future that looks bleak. You end up with a future that looks grim. You end up with a future that looks horrible. And what you'll have is you'll have a defeated outlook on life. What's the spiritual effects to that one? Despair, hopelessness, and apathy. Right now, people are dealing with suicidal thoughts more now than any time ever before. Their get-up-and-go has got up and went. Domestic violence, child abuse, drug overdose, all these things are on the rise. We have an internal enemy. John 10.10. 10. It says the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Some translations say to give them life and life more abundantly. It's the same thing. The source, the enemy, if you will, is the devil. And the church better wake up because we're in a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual fight. We're not fighting flesh and blood. Ephesians, the Apostle Paul wrote this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. So we're, we're not fighting sickness and disease. We're not fighting racism and hate. This is what we're fighting, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Sickness, disease, racism, and all these things that are going on, they're just byproducts of what we're actually fighting. 
We need to be attacking this at the root instead of being instead of attacking the fruit. Like I said, Jesus taught us a united house will stand, a divided house will fall. This nation and the church are at a crossroads. And we're at a crossroads right now. Will he find faith when he comes back? That's in the word. Will he find faith? Why is it so difficult to find faith when, when you have an enemy taking God out of a nation? Will you find faith? See, if we don't pick up our cross, if we don't stop acting like the rest of the world, then divided will fall. So now I talked about what the problems are. You need a solution. And now it's time to give the solution. So what's the solution? I'm going to give you nine things. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 13. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Number one, faith is the solution to fear. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six 6 that God is no respecter of persons, but what he does is he respects our faith that he, we have to believe he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So there's a respecting of faith. Why? Because faith dispels fear. Fear tells you that you can't. Faith tells you that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Fear tells you, what if something happens? Faith says, God is my shield and my buckler, my high tower, my strength, my fortress, my provider, my protector. Fear will get you not to trust, but faith puts full trust in God Almighty and God alone. Number two, hope is the solution to despair. Now, you know, the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for with the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11.1. 1. That word hope means a confident expectation of good. So if we take a look at number two, a confident expectation of good is the solution to despair. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights. What? Set your sights. Or did it say, let the media set your sights? Let someone else set. No, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. 
Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Here we go. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Did you notice it didn't say your earthly life? It said your real life. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Why are we so concerned about building up this fake life? Why don't we build up our real life? And as we start building up our real life and we start walking in the things of our real life, then what happens now the world is going to see who God is. We call ourselves Christians. But just because I call myself a Christian doesn't make me a Christian. Actions speak louder than words. What are we doing? Are we just coming to church to appease God? Or to appease some man or something like that? I mean, what are we doing? We need to be coming to church because the Bible tells us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the day is getting close. That we need to be building each other up in, in love and unity and faith. We need to edify one another. That's why we come to church. He says, as the day is getting closer, we need to do this more often. This is what the Bible's telling us to do. Our real life starts in Christ Jesus. Number three, love is the solution to anger. Now, it's not just any type of love. You've got four basic loves that, that are in the Greek. You've got agape, phileo, eros, and storge. Agapeo is not a feeling love. There's no feeling attached to it at all. It's the same love that Jesus chose to love us when he went to the cross at Calvary and gave his life for us. That's the type of love that's the solution to anger. See, we need to choose to love people no matter what they think about us. So no matter what they say about us, no matter what they do to us, we need to choose to love them unconditionally with no strings attached. And you know, the Bible tells us that love never fails. Number four, the church is meant to be a refuge of faith, hope, and love to a fearful hopeless, and angry world. That is our mission. That's the mission of the church. Only the church can do this because the world can't give something it doesn't have. See, you and I have the true love of God if we have Christ Jesus. You can't give something you don't have. See, in the absence of faith, fear will increase. In the absence of hope, despair will increase. And in the absence of love, anger and hate will increase. The church is the only place that you can get faith, hope, and love. We're supposed to be a dispensary of these things. And the only way that we can be a dispensary of these things is if we have them on the inside and we're demonstrating them to the world as I speak. Number five, when we gather, 
We create an atmosphere that is greater than fear, despair, and anger. See, when churches are shut down, it's hindered the the fruit of love. It's hindered the fruit of hope. It's hindered the fruit of faith. It's hindered the fruit of these things prospering. You notice when churches are allowed to meet, then all of a sudden the atmosphere changes. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 18 and 19, it says this, I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything, you will ask my Father in heaven, and guess what? He'll do it for you. That's what it just said. What did, it just, what did that tell me? There's power in unity. The more that we come together, there's, collective, there's a collective power that takes place when we come together in community and worship our God. See, the mission is bigger than just you or I coming to church. The mission's much greater than that. When we come to church, we become that dispensary for faith, hope, love, life. We become that dispensary that comes upon people. People come every Sunday to try to get faith, hope, and love, and that's what they're coming for. And so we need to be so full of faith, hope, and love, and life. We need to be so full of it that it comes oozing out of our pores and just comes upon people. That's what we need to be as the church. Number six, when we worship, we exalt God above our problems. Worshiping is not just going to a singing. I've been in the South now over 20 years. And I come to these churches and churches say, oh yeah, that was a good singing. Oh yeah, that's a good si-. If it's a singing, you might as well call it a performance. You might as well call it a show. See, worship is when you disconnect from the things of this world and focus wholeheartedly on God, putting all of your being in connection with Him, connecting to Him with everything that you have. It should be a place of peace, of joy, of tranquility. Your heart should be so connected to your mouth, and if it's not, you're just singing another song. You know, some of you started to come to church at one point in your life and you connected with your heart. You were raising your hands. You were doing things that you normally wouldn't do in public. But something's changed along the way. There's a disconnect. And we need to get reconnected. We need to to worship God like like he's never been worshipped before. I'm going to say this. Hope rises or falls by the focus of our attention. Let me say that one more time. Confident expectation of the good rises or falls by the focus of our attention. Is that in the Bible? Of course it is. 
Y'all remember the time that Jesus and his disciples, they were hanging out, and the disciples said, hey, man, it's time. We're, we're going to jump in the boat and head on to the other side. And, and Jesus like, I'll catch up with y'all. So then disciples are going on out, and they're, they're out in the boat, and weather starts getting rough. It starts looking like Gilligan's Island. Things are getting crazy. But then, all of a sudden, Jesus decides not to take another boat. He decides to go ahead and get on that water and just take a walk. Well, he takes a walk on that water, and he's, he's going along. And I don't know, maybe it was a jog, because, you know, they were pretty far out there by the time he got on. Who knows? But then Jesus speaks to them, and Peter recognizes the voice. First, they were freaking out. Oh, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. What are we going to do? But Peter recognizes that voice. He said, hey, if it's you, bid me to come. And Jesus is like, dude, it's me. Come on. So this is what Peter had to do. Peter had to look beyond the wind. Peter had to look beyond the waves. Peter had to look beyond the storms, beyond the lightning, beyond all the things that were going on in the natural realm, beyond everything, beyond all the hindrances. And he had to look beyond that. And as it's going, and he's looking beyond that, and he's, he's piercing through, and he's, he's focusing on Jesus. If it's you, bid me to come. It's me, Peter. Come on. And so he's looking beyond that. He's looking beyond social media. He's looking beyond the news. He's looking beyond what's being told to everybody. And he's looking beyond that. And he's staying focused on one thing. He's staying focused on Jesus. And so he puts his foot out of the boat. Now he's got to stay focused to where he's not focused on the water. And so he steps out. And as long as he looks and stays focused on Jesus and not on his circumstance, he walks on water. But the very moment he turns his head, he begins to sink. If you take your eyes off of Jesus and you put them on Trump or Biden, you're going to sink. Because Jesus is the savior of the world, not the president of the United States. I wrote this quote down. Stop viewing your faith through your politics and start viewing your politics through your faith. We have our priorities messed up. We need to stay focused on Jesus. Jesus is still on the throne. His position is not elected. His position is not up for debate. His position in your life might be up for debate. But his position on who he is is not up for debate. And that will not change. That's a personal choice. Psalms 20, verse 7. Some nations boast of their chariots and horses, but we boast in the name of the Lord our God. Wow. You want me to read the 2020 translation of that? The, the you know, here we are in, in 2020. I'm going to read that translation for today. 
Some trust in presidents and some in politics. Some trust in money and some in their own abilities. Some trust in social media and others in what a friend has to say. But for me and my house, we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Quit trusting in the things of this world. Start trusting in the word. What's the solution? Number seven. When we pray, God's power is released on earth. So when you pray, it changes the climate of your community. Why? Because you're getting God involved. Matter of fact, when you pray, it changes the climate of your heart. If all you're doing is taking a look at your own reasonings, and you're going to do it your way, then what happens is the climate of your heart just gets darker and bleak. The thing is, is you got to change. And the only way you're going to change is you have to do it God's way. God has a way of doing it. You know, I've been through many presidents in my life. I can probably go back and remember uh, when Nixon was impeached, and I was pretty young. Then Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter and Reagan. I can remember all these things. And I remember all, all kinds of people saying all kinds of things. I'll tell you what it didn't change. It never changed how the church was affected until now. And the reason why it hadn't changed how the church was infected till now is because we weren't so concerned about politics. We focused on God. But as things have changed, we start focusing on the wrong things. No matter what goes on in this world, no matter how it pans out, God already knows what's going to happen. We need to stay focused so that way we know that we're a part of what's going on in God's plan. Because his plan is eternal. This plan here is temporal. It's temporary. You got to get out of it. You know, like I said this, is Matthew 18, 18, it says, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. It doesn't mean that if you permit sin on the earth that that sin's going to be released in heaven. That's that's not what it's talking about. Y'all need some help here on earth? then what you need to do is you need to start forbidding some things. You need to start standing up for some things. You need to start allowing God to get involved in some things. Instead of running or instead of putting your head in the sand, instead of doing, what we need to do as the church is we need to rise up. We need to grab strength from the inside. And we need to realize that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We need to realize that we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. We need to realize that we are the head and not the tail, that we are above and not beneath, that we are ambassadors of heaven. And that's what we need to realize. We need to quit cowering down. And we need to stand strong. Man. So what's the solution? Number eight. Biblical teaching ignites faith. Not biblical preaching. Biblical preaching will get people saved. Because let me tell you the difference between preaching and teaching. Because there is a difference. People call me a preacher, but I'm not really a preacher. I'm a teacher. A, teach, a preacher someone like Paul Revere. The British are coming. The British are coming. The British are coming. He's declaring 
that something is happening. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus died for your sins. I'm declaring that something has happened. Okay? A teacher explains, well, the way the British are coming is they're coming in groups of companies on ships, and they're taking these ships, and they're going around. I'm explaining it. That's what a teacher does. The Bible says that a pastor has to be apt to teach, not preach. Now, we should all preach. We should all declare Jesus everywhere we go. But it's biblical teaching that ignites faith. Well, how do you know that? Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and by hearing by the word of God. And when you study that out, it's talking about an understanding of God's word. Well, Jesus gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. And the apostle touches all the gifts. The prophet points everything out. The evangelist is the longest finger, goes to the uttermost parts of the earth. The pastor, the family, uh, he's, what he does is he keeps the family together. He's stability in the church. He's the one that keeps the church together. And then you have the teacher who's just the teacher. He's the only one that can get in your ear. And that's the way it's supposed to work. Number nine, and this will be my last one. I'll close here. When we demonstrate love, we break division and build unity. The only thing that's going to break the walls of hate, the only thing that's going to tear down the walls that discriminate is if we become intentional in our love walk. If we go outside these walls and demonstrate the love of God to everyone, every single creature, every person, and then all of a sudden you'll see the walls of division coming down. If you people who are so hardcore on red start loving your blue brothers, if you people who are so hardcore on blue start loving your red brothers, we will see God build us together again in the faith and in unity. We need to be able to talk to each other, not talk about each other, not throw stones at each other. Colossians 3.14, it says this, above all. What does that mean? It means above everything else, above everything else I've said. More than anything that I've said, what I'm writing right now, above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Above all, above everything else, don't walk out of the house naked. Put some clothes on. And when you put your clothes on, make sure that the clothes that you put on is love. Well, how do you put on love? You fill yourself up so much with the word and love of God on the inside that it looks like clothes when you come around people. Then when people can see you, all they see is they see just a great big bunch of love coming their way. And you love on them unconditionally in Jesus' name. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed. If you're here in the sanctuary, you're watching online, you're listening to the radio in the parking lot, I want you to ask yourself some questions. The first question I want you to ask yourself is, am I born again? Is Christ Jesus my Savior? 
The second question I want you to ask yourself is this. Has Jesus been the Lord of my life? Or do I need to commit to him today to be the Lord of my life? If that's you, on either one of those two things, just raise your hand. Anybody at all. Just raise them. That's all right. Raise them in your car. Look, I'm by myself in my office. Raise, just raise your hand. God doesn't just see your hand. God sees your heart. And I want you to know that God loves you. He loves you so much that Jesus came. And if it was just for you, it would have been just for you. You can put your hands down. Let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, today I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I thank you, Lord, for paying the price for my sin at the cross of Calvary. I thank you for going into the grave and coming up three days later. And because you live, so do I. In Jesus' name.